0: I'm not trying to beat my competition. I'm trying to beat myself. I'm trying to beat my top converting posts. And so I can bring in another piece of content and try and beat it to like, now that becomes like one of my five greatest hits. So like, obviously like people have greatest hits, like Bieber has like the, um, what baby. And so he's probably always trying to beat that. That's probably like his best ever. And so I'm always trying to beat my own. So
1: <laughs> this is super fast business with James Schramko, James Schramko. Helping you build your business super fast. Nice. Nice. James Franco here. Welcome back to superfastbusiness.com. This is episode 725. Today I am joined by Chris von Wilpert. Welcome, Chris.
0: Dude, I'm super psyched to be on. I've been listening to this podcast for like the last five or six years and now I've got the opportunity to come on. I'm super psyched to be on. <laughs>
1: well, you're halfway there. I think we've been going for about 10. <laughs> I've actually been to every episode of this podcast, which puts me in a unique position. I feel like one of the most privileged people on the internet in terms of my education because I get to speak to superstar experts in whatever field they're doing. And Today's topic really revolves around content marketing and I have a soft spot for content marketing (laughs) because Superfast Business and Silver Circle, my other community membership, are really built currently off a content marketing baseline, whether it's podcasts, videos. A lot of that gets transferred into blog posts and some social media content. I just did a training for members of Superfast Business actually and I worked out that in the last couple of years, we have generated probably close to a million dollars just off the content and then amplifying it. I'm not including the podcast. We've just from the little videos and some strategic placements and then a tiny little bit of paid traffic. That's been great. But I've got to say, you have been on my radar repeatedly in the last few months. The first time you popped up, you mentioned me in some series you were doing on a Facebook post you kept doing little daily installments and it was riveting storytelling and I kept tuning back for more and it turned out that I'd actually chatted with you uh, about four years ago. You wanted to join Silver Circle and in your story you said that I rejected you and I'm like, oh no, I, I hope this guy's not upset with me or I hope I didn't do anything wrong. And then one of my students in Silver Circle is posting this viral blog post, this really epic, meaty, high-value, super-researched, extra-quality post. And he asked us if we could share it. And I said, what's going on with this? And he goes, oh, I'm studying from this guy, Chris von Wilpert. And then I dig more into your stuff. I've subscribed to your material. I find out you've gone off and done some work with Noah Kagan and Justin Brooke and I just love seeing success story like yours so I would love to find out from you what's it been like because you started in business about 14 years ago you've run five different types of businesses from agencies to e-commerce to software as a service information products even a physical store I think you've got a, a name the snow cone Joey I'm sure that doesn't refer to the drug trade, but you've done so much and these days, like what I really admire about your content marketing, it's just a bullseye. You just know exactly how to go for the jugular and to find that 64-4, you just... You get your audience to tell you the best headline, and then you create this epic piece of content that everyone wants to share, and just turn it into sales, $100,000 a month in sales from some pieces of content. I don't even know where to start, but it's just so exciting. (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so where do you want to go with
0: this, Chris? Yes, I'm excited to like everyone like step by step through this system that I've been doing because I've had the experience of working with Noritsumo Sumo. And so I saw what it was like doing content marketing for a big brand that had a big email list that was able to get SEO traffic and organic traffic pretty easily. To so then stepping into doing content mavericks, it started from nothing. And a lot of the same strategies weren't working. And so I can like speak to like both of those. And then, yeah, that Facebook post series you did originally, it was just meant to be one post about like my snow story about building my Snowy Joey snow cone business over here in Australia. And I was really just focused on that for about seven or eight years. And I tried to license and franchise the business. It got to that stage where I had like 10 snow cone machines, like five fairy floss and five popcorn machines. And I had people coming to my commercial premises, picking up the machines and going out and selling them on weekends. I tried to make it's worthwhile for people to actually purchase a franchise and then make their own money. But I was really struggling with scaling the business because people could only make the income on the weekend because yes. that's when all the kids like football games and soccer games are on. And so I wasn't able to successfully do that. That's when I kind of jumped into like the digital marketing sort of space. And I had experience running my own Google ads to get people to hire my snow cone machine. So that's kind of how I first got into it. And so I, I tried to start picking up clients for like a paid advertising agency. And I picked up one client and I got them from, they were paying me 3500 a month. And then it was just that one client. And then I was charging, I think it was $1,000 plus 15% of ad spend at that stage. And I was able to scale up their ad spend to around 50000 a month of spending on Google ads. And by the time I was done with them, I was making about $13,500 I, $13, I was making per month. It was kind of like a really good lifestyle. Living in China, I was like breakdancing and I had this one client i remember contacting you and i said i wanted coaching and you were like i'm single client dependent and i don't have enough for the convert because i only had this one client and then that's when i tried to really look into like how do i get more clients for my own agency and at the same time my um girlfriend at the time had like a wig shop in china that's where the physical store comes in and so she built that to like five different stores selling wigs in china so she had five different stores She's not running that anymore, but that's kind of where I had some experience in the physical store space. But maybe I can jump in now and just talk about what I'm doing with uh, Content Mavericks and like this sort of Greatest Hits content system and using just five pieces of content so it's not really overwhelming Um, and building a system around that.
1: Yeah, you might as well. I'm still recovering from wigs and breakdancing and snow cone (laughs) architecture.
0: (laughs) wow
1: I hope when we spoke too that I wasn't um, you know disappointing to you or that in some way that helped you perhaps realizing what you needed to find
0: yeah so I can talk a bit about the story and how I'll tie it in again at the end as well with what I've been doing recently so you kind of gave me feedback that I didn't have an offer that converts and I asked you like at that stage because you couldn't coach me like who should I go and see and I think you um, recommended me to someone I think it was Michelle McPherson at Revolution Tilt I think that was the name of the person I think you might have Recommended to her, and I hopped on there. I sent an email to them and I asked them about coaching and things like that. And I remember they're saying that they didn't do that, but there's this guy called Justin Brooke. And that he's just really killing it with his iron scalable um, paid advertising agency. And so I hit up Justin, and then Justin wasn't doing any coaching at that stage. He wasn't even running ad skills at that stage. He was just running his paid ads agency. But um, Justin had a course then about growing an agency based on his own agency experience. And I kind of took that course, and then I jumped into the group that Justin had. And there was one kind of turning point where I asked Justin. Justin had the same sort of methodology that I teach in Content Mavericks now, is which is you only need a handful of pieces of content to get really great results. Like you can do a lot more if you like. But it's possible to do it without that. And so Justin had these like two pieces of content that we're generating all these clients for his own scalable paid advertising engine. I I just asked him like, what's the best sales generating piece of content that you've made, that you've created? He said the two. And then I kind of took one of them that he created. The article's about Fisher Investment, reverse engineering Fisher Investments media buying strategy. And so I kind of took this article that he had that it worked really well. At that stage, it was like the beginning of 2017. I'd done no content marketing before. I wouldn't post on Facebook at all. I'd like, if you look back before 2018, I didn't post on social media at all. This article that he did, everyone was talking about HubSpot. And I wanted to attract software companies because this company I was working with was a software company that I'd grown to on um, this fifteen thousand per month on Google Ads managing their spend and they were paying me like this get and out of over ten thousand a month. And that was awesome. Like back then I was like all about the money. So for <laughs> me that was like awesome. For most
1: of us, I think at the beginning at least.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I think that's what we're most like in the beginning and so um I read this article reverse engineering HubSpot and I kind of spent like a whole week on this article and just, I didn't have much experience writing at all and so then I just did everything I could to promote this one piece of content I didn't create anything else I was just trying all these different things I even tried some things like I had a virtual assistant tweeting people who had tweeted stuff related to HubSpot in the last 90 days I think it was so I was trying all these things that weren't really scalable but all these different things and then um, Noah Kagan came across this particular post. he just hit me up on. On Twitter and he goes the HubSpot post was fire like would you write one for okay because this is like his personal blog and so I was like yeah sure I'll do it and I've never done like a guest post or anything like that before and I kind of did some background research on No, I didn't know a lot about him but I knew he was running AppSumo it was a pretty big company and so I had a look at what his goal was like his goal was to hit 100,000 podcast downloads that year and so I tried to tie that back when I did the piece of content. The post that I did, I end up doing a, this can help people as well in terms of finding topics. I went into a Facebook group and I asked people like, Noah Kagan wants me to write this post, reverse engineering, a company like my HubSpot one, which company would you like to see me reverse engineer? And I ran a poll. I put five options that I thought were popular software companies and then I let people choose their own. And then based on the results of the poll, whichever got the highest votes, that was the one I was going to write it on. And so I wrote it on Inacom, and that's the post that I did on Noah's site. And I looked at Noah's stats on like his most shared post. And I just kind of went after like making this Noah's most successful post ever. And I actually put my own money behind it. I put my, uh, I think it was $688. I have like a case study on Content metrics about it now. $688 of my own ad spend on Twitter and Facebook, promoting the post to Inacom's audience. And that was part of the promotion that I did along with a a number of other things but yeah all this sort of stuff did around the promotion of the post for Noah I, I sent him screenshots every time like I had a big win so I post in a Facebook group it has like it gets like a hundred comments and I'm like Noah like check out this post that I did like in this group and then I'm like here I spent like 500 bucks on Facebook ads like running to the intercom audience like we got all these clicks I sent a screenshot of that to Noah and so I was just all about helping you I was just all about winning really about getting his most popular post ever and then based on that yeah he asked he, he like flew me over to flew me over to AppSumo and I actually slept in the AppSumo office of five months um i like a mattress in the office there and then i just walk over to the sumo office his company that sells software which is just down the road and that's kind of how i got connected with um noah and started helping him and he thought i was like a content marketing guy and i wasn't i just thought i done like a few pieces of content and i just done one that went really really well
1: Oh, <laughs> well, that's such a good story i know noah well in fact i did a post on okay dork from um Go from zero to a million downloads on your podcast and he was really interesting to work with he's so thorough and picky when it comes to the content the quality of the content and clearly you resonated with him i have seen the testimonial video he made for you it was outstanding <laughs> i don't think i've ever seen higher praise so that's such an accomplishment So I think the first point that I've made there is in your technique. Apart from being hungry and confident and really having that strong desire to win, and it really reminds me of that Netflix series, Drive to Survive. I was just watching season two yesterday. You can see that in the Formula One drivers and the team bosses. They want to win more than anything. Is you poll your audience, you actually get some input from them in terms of what they want to see. So you're starting pretty close to a known point of interest interest to the audience. Would you say that's fair?
0: Yeah, that's fair. And then I also use that to promote the post as well, like the feedback that I get. And I use it down the track as well with sales. So I can talk about like the greatest hits content system and what I use now for the feedback around that. All right. Tell
1: me about your greatest hits content system.
0: all right so um what this starts with is it starts with like a greatest hits content survey and so i know you were speaking about this in this past episode with um a dude john lynn about you were talking about getting the with if you have 500 email subscribers what do you do to get feedback and so this is also part of what i'll do but i asked three questions in a survey and so the first one is like what's the single biggest challenge you have so if it's for me what's the single biggest challenge you have getting leads and sales uh, with content marketing and so that's like the first question the second question um will be like what other marketing training have you bought so if it's not marketing then you just replace that with whatever your industry is so I want to find out what people are actually buying and so the third question is who do you let into your inbox and so I want to know who are people actually subscribed to and listening to and so they're kind of the three questions I ask and if people don't actually have any sort of audience like email list this can be hard to do obviously but there's a workaround for that you can just go onto social media and I wouldn't post all three questions in a social media post it's a bit overwhelming for social media I do one at a time so you post one one day you might post the next one the next day or you might if you don't even have an audience on your own profile or anything like that you may just go into a group that already has an existing audience just like I did back when I had no audience I did that post for Noah and then post these Individual questions. I wouldn't do all of them at once, but one a day or one one a week, and then you can get feedback on those particular things. And in, at the very start, I actually spoke to my customers and I asked them some of these questions. But I know a lot of people won't actually do that when I give people that advice. They're like, they don't ever end up doing it, so I just really don't give that advice anymore. But uh, it's the best way. But um yeah, that's another way as well. Um, so once I have all this feedback, so I did this with the Content Matrix email list, and I got about a hundred. Uh, I think it was 105 responses to what their biggest challenge was. I'll go through and I'll kind of. I'm sort this by what the themes are like the common themes of the topics and so I'll go through and then I might put like this one's related to content ideas this one's related to a content distribution strategy this one's related to like how do you track your content marketing ROI so I put content marketing ROI for that that topic and so what I'm doing is after I go through all of it like all those 100 i I'm going back and I'm kind of just sorting A to Z and see which one's like the most popular what are the most people actually asking about And then I can kind of build my content strategy around that. And then down the track as well, I can talk about this later. But when it comes to getting sales from the content and sending like, I I call them like pre-sale content emails, because these people are going to leave responses. Some of them are short. One sentence responses, like uh, maybe 10 words. And some of them are just paragraphs. And so these people that give you paragraphs and paragraphs of feedback are the best. And so you can really use those later on when it comes to um, sales and calling out specific people. I'll talk about that later. And then I'm also using this when it comes to the promotion, which I'll talk about is actually using the people that they're subscribed to and that they're buying products from already, using that when it comes to like the paid promotion around the post. So I'm using all of the information.
1: I could see that as soon as you mentioned, I thought this is very clever. I'm certainly familiar with the first part about asking the single biggest challenge and then sorting them into groups because that's pretty much the ask survey method, right? Yep. And putting them into what Ryan calls buckets. But the second question about what they're already buying, genius, because that separates the difference between preference versus performance. Like they've already, Proven and performed, they're not just saying what they'd like. Like every guy says, oh, I want a Lamborghini or a Ferrari. Instead, it's like, what cars have you already purchased? What's in your garage right now? That tells us a lot more. They say, oh, I've got a Datsun 1200 Ute or I have a Honda Civic. Now we know their commercial intent and ability. And then Who do you let in the inbox? That is just genius because I imagine flattery is going to come into play later. If we go back to the people who you've got all their fans lining up, it's easy for you to cash in on their fans.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So I even put like, once it's who you let into your inbox, I ask like, open up your email and tell me who the last ten emails are from. So I did this on an actual call with a customer, and then I just put that as like subtext on the survey now. Right. Um, but I put that on there because um, that gives me really good feedback about who emails are opening right now. Um, but after I have all this feedback and I have like the topic that I'm gonna cover, then I'll go through and like I don't actually focus a lot on SEO, and this is just because when I started Content Mavericks, I kind of knew and after doing a few posts, like this was never gonna fly. Like doing trying to go after SEO traffic early on, it just wasn't going to work for me. Like, yeah, at sumo we could have post ranking within like three months, three to six months of often just after a bit of promotion work. Um, but when the site's really new, often that won't happen. And so I wanted to get results fast and I didn't want to wait around for SEO traffic. And so I kind of make fun of SEO people sometimes and I call it like pants down SEO. Like you like pull your pants down, you bend over, you just wait for Google to send you traffic. So what I did was after I have the topic, I have like a template that I get my when I'm writing my own articles and when I'm training people as well i call it the ada article template because it's based on that copywriting framework of attention interest desire and action but i've built it into like a content template for writing a blog post and so i use this framework and then i also have formulas for like the headline the intro and the body copy and so i'll give you an example of like an intro formula that i might use so it's called rpt so it stands for results proof teaser and so in the first line I might call out and say like this is how I got 87,000 visitors to one blog post in 60 days. I'm talking about a specific result I got to really catch people's attention in that first sentence. And then I'll show proof. And so I actually show a screenshot of like what a blog article was like before and so it might show like eight 8,000 visitors to this post. And then the after shot is like 87,000 visitors. So it's like a clear proof screenshot of that. I actually got that result. It's from inside analytics. And so I'll do a bit of markup on the post. So it looks good for that one particular screenshot in the post. And then I'll give like a teaser of what's about to come. So here's like the step-by-step method I used to do it. And then I'll kind of jump straight into like the actionable tactics. And so I don't kind of fluff around in the intro because that's where I think you get lost a lot because Sumo used to have this thing called heat maps. I don't have it anymore, but you could kind of see when you looking down other tools do it as well but you could see where people drop off a lot of people are dropping off like after 20 30 percent of an article if you don't really get that attention part right then you can just lose people a lot of people if you don't get that right
1: so it's great having this proof you're there your results proof and teaser you've come up with this formula that works i agree you got to get the attention out of the gate it seems like an easy template to use as well. Like the result is what someone wants. So it's going to get their attention straight away. The proof is now they know that they can trust that you can actually deliver it because you've already done it. And then the teaser. So what happens next?
0: Yeah. Some people give me the objection that I don't have results. So in that case, then you can lead with the survey data and you can lead with the customer. Like you lead with the customer's problem that they've spoken to you about and lead with that. But after that, the actual topic that I'm writing about, I do have a little a bit of SEO going on in the background. So, so what i'll do is i'll look up the post on google and i'll look at like the search engine results page and i'll try and get an idea of like for that topic i'll put the topic into like sem rush or ahrefs and then i'll take a look at like how much traffic potential is the post getting like i don't care about search volume because that's sometimes like a vanity metric the search volume but you can see how many by getting putting the top url of the post into one of those tools you can see like how much traffic did it get last month on desktop and mobile and so you can get an estimate of how much traffic it's actually getting across all the different keywords it ranks for the article so this is like the only sort of seo sort of part put in my strategy just thinking of like the long-term gain with this and so i'll find like the topic that's related that has like a good traffic potential i'll study the search engine results page and i'll let the page guide like the structure of the post so if it's like a list post or if it's like a step-by-step guide or depending on what style of post it is that's kind of the type of post that i'm gonna write but i'm gonna make it like very different to what those posts are so in my template i have two questions that people have to answer like if they they're they're writing for me or if I'm writing the post, they need to answer the question like, how's this post going to be unique from all the others on the topic? And so they need to give a really clear answer about that. If it's not, then they come back with another one. And then the second one is the outline. They need to tell me what's the outline of the post going to be. And so when I'm working with writers, often I'll actually come up with unique angle and the outline and then they'll go and write it. But sometimes I'll get the writer to do it and then I'll give feedback. And because when you're doing like a lot of content, I found this with sumo, like we had a few different freelancers doing um content. Um if you wait till they give you the first draft, it's like it's too late. Like you find out it's not it's not up to par and then it's because you made the mistake of not asking those questions at the start. So that's like the second step. Like what's the unique angle? What's the outline going to be? And then you jump into actually writing the post.
1: I like it small batch sizes. It's the same process I've been through with speakers from my event is I asked them to just give me an outline like the the headline and a few bullet points of what they want to cover and then we agree on that then they can go away and then draft out the rest so I like that sort of minimum viable test and I really take your point about you choosing the headline or the point of difference because that's kind of how my content works when I make a video or a podcast I actually name it whatever I name the folder that is what the post will be called that basically is setting the north star for my team to work around that in fact Pointing out what's unique, that's one of the items in the 16-word sales letter book. It's basically, if you can't point out why something's unique, you're wasting your time, right? It's, it's, yeah. Obviously, you value that. And I would say, having followed your content on social media, one thing that stands out for me with your story is just how crazy your story is. You are so different to a normal person out there, you know, <laughs> like just... <this, laughs> Break dancing snow cone architect from visiting China and like you're just crazy. And that is like a magnet for people, especially who are doing things the standard old way. The old SEO way or the old way we've always done list posts or epic posts, etc. You're just tipping the whole thing on its head. What else do you think makes your approach to this system completely different? Because I love how you've added things on top of a traditional sort of survey and gone into the buying intent and tapping into potential outlets for magnifying I love how you've put the proof there and results. And there's something I remember one of my other clients actually, John Logar, said if you don't have results, he said he will do a case study on someone else in the market. That's why we often see in business books, we see the author reference Steve Jobs, Walt Disney. Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, blah, blah, blah. They're always referencing someone famous to make a point where they didn't become a billionaire themselves, but they'll just mention someone who has and it still makes the point, right?
0: Yeah. John Logue is a legend. I've actually worked with him for a bit a long time ago now, but yeah, he's a legend.
1: <laughs> he's a very good salesman.
0: Yeah, he is. So yeah, the next part is I'm like very focused around using content as like getting conversions from content, not just using content and just posting it. And then let's just hope it like ranks for SEO traffic, like in a year or in six months. And so I'm very focused on like making every single piece of content work. And I build around like these five pieces. So I use this thing called the three jab strategy. And so I built this when I was at Sumo. And so I had a goal, like no one always give me really aggressive goals. Like at the very start, it was like take the blog from 100,000 per month to 500,000 per month in five months. And then we focused on traffic for a bit, a traffic goal. And then after a short amount of time, we've realized that, well, going after traffic isn't actually the most important factor here. And so we actually changed that to being um, marketing qualified leads. We tried a sales goal and we tried um, email lead goal as well. So we, we tried all these different goals like and very specific within a specific timeframe as well. And so one of the goals was how do we get like the email list to 10,000 emails per month? Like, how how do we collect that many in one month? And so Sumo at this stage had around 300 blog posts. Not all of them were, like, performing at all. Um, And so I looked at, like, the 80-20. I went into Google Analytics. So you can do this by going into Google Analytics, behavior, landing pages, and it'll tell you, like, you can rank it by look over the last year or last 90 days and see what your top traffic posts are. And I filter it by the organic filter, especially for a website that's been around for a while. And so I went through and I looked at like the top 50 posts. And what I did was I ran this three jab strategy, which is I kind of dog fooded Sumo's tool by using it. And I put like, the first one is like, a, the first jab is like a welcome mat. And this is like a very aggressive form of lead capture, right? Because the welcome mat shows up when someone comes onto the page before they actually see the content. And so I only usually do it on desktop, not on mobile, because I can hurt on mobile. Often I won't even do the welcome mat if I don't want to be as aggressive. It's kind of up to the person in, in this particular scenario, but you will get more conversions by doing it. <laughs> (laughs) because I've tested and tried it and then the second jab is a contextual content upgrade so you'll see on the content mavericks blog below every headline I have like a bonus material link and then within the actual post when it makes sense like contextually to actually I tie in the blog content copy to the actual upgrade that I'm giving people inside the post and then that's like the one thing that produces the most conversions. that's like 65 percent of like the conversions from this three jab strategy comes from that particular thing because it's so tied in and it's also not intrusive at all. And the third one is like an exit intent. So if people are leaving, they'll see like an exit intent. I did that across like the top 50 traffic posts on Sumo. And we were able to get the list from, it was around 3,000 per month up to 10,000 per month. But the whole thing around doing this is like tracking it inside Google Analytics, setting up a Google Analytics goal to see how your traffic is converting from traffic to email lead. And then you can see like what are the top converting posts from traffic to lead. And then you can use this data when it comes to actually paid advertising the post. And so this is kind of the next part of it, like focusing on the version part and then i can talk more about the distribution things
1: so just a quick recap on that when you said dog fooding i'm sure you're referencing using your own tool right
0: yeah because sumo tool they sell an email capture software tool and so these things i'm talking about the welcome mat the click trigger and the exit intent these are all things that sumo were using so we wanted to use the sumo tool to kind of show people like this is what's possible
1: perfect and is the welcome mat in any way similar to a hello bar?
0: It's a bit similar to the hello bar except the welcome mat takes up the whole screen. Right. It's like a full page in its in, digital, in, so it's much more aggressive. So one thing
1: I did was stroll through my analytics and find the highest converting blog post through to actual sales. Yeah. And that's what we run as our hello bar on my website. And then we do the content upgrade, but I like what you're saying about the contextual part, because maybe we could improve how we're doing it, what we tend to do for where we put this episode at episode 725. There'll be the headline, there'll be a bullet point timelines of what happens in this podcast, which we've been doing now since 2006. I think we were one of the first to do it. And then there'll be a big red box, which we'll use a lead box, which is probably very similar to a clickable link. Mm-hmm. Click on it and it, it grabs an email opt-in, just the email, not a name. Yep. That is where we get most of the opt-ins for Superfast Business. But we're not getting 10,000 opt-ins a month. I mean, I don't even have a list of 10,000. So that's why I'm talking to you. But the people who do opt-in tend to go through and they get offered then based on logic. If they haven't been a member of Superfast Business membership, then it will actually sniff them. Them out and it'll start to offer them you know would you like to find out about the membership and then it goes on and they turn into customers so we do it off a small volume yeah. and I love what you're saying about Noah changing the goal because I remember once upon a time probably about seven or eight years ago I think his goal just prior to that was to have the biggest email database I think he had <laughs> 800,000 emails and then he realized that wasn't the goal and he changed his goal but I'd love to know from you knowing what you know what would be a good goal to track? If I went to my content team after this call and said, I just got off the call with Chris yep. and this is our goal, this is the number that matters for our business, what do you think that should be?
0: Yeah, so sales is always like the most critical, but what there's a particular metric that I really like, no one talks about it as well, it's active audience. So the email list size is just, ban- it's a vanity metric, like it doesn't matter how big your email list size is, but the active audience is like how many people have opened or clicked, like the definition I have, how many people have opened or clicked in the last 60 days and i want to know like if i have like a significant audience of like my active audience of people who have opened and clicked in the last 60 days on my email list that's the number that i really want to be looking at i'm always looking at it every day i have like a tab that opens up in an extra window and it tells me like the number and so this is the one number that i want to look at because when you have like, people who are active and opening and clicking your emails when it comes to sales conversions down the track you can obviously use this list that you have the active audience to in like say retargeting to case studies i know you've talked with people in here about the importance of case studies and how important those are
1: they sell the most whenever i get a student on my podcast talking about a transformation that is my uh proof as you say like the headline is the results The proof is like the entire episode because it's a real, like you can validate, go and look up their site. You can interrogate them. They will tell you that this is 100% fact. And then it's like the ultimate teaser for what could be possible for the person listening. So I I think it definitely follows your formula and case studies rock.
0: Yeah. And you and Tucky killed it like that when you're doing that sales marketing profit, I think it was like it was every single podcast was a case study. I remember. Every
1: single one. True case study.
0: I'm pretty sure that's when I reached out to you, yeah. I was yeah. listening to these case studies all the time and say, so powerful having these case studies. So I'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, after the, unless I was at now, but after running this um whole strategy of the 3 job strategy, like I teased about this in a post on Facebook. I told people on the podcast episode, I'm going to tell you how I got it. I'm getting a blog post to convert at 23%, right? And it's all about like this 3 job strategy. And actually on this post, I don't even have the welcome mat. I have the contextual content upgrades and I have the exit intent on this post. But what makes this post so successful, this 23% conversion rate post, is that the content upgrade, it's what I call like a utility content upgrade, which means that when someone downloads this content upgrade, they can go and use it straight away. So on this particular post, it's a post about how you build an editorial calendar for your blog. So it's like a pretty basic topic. But the angle that I took with the post is like, this is the editorial calendar that I I use to grow a blog past 100,000 visits per month and then I give people the actual editorial calendar template that I use as the upgrade and so it makes sense after you read the step-by-step guide about how you build out an editorial calendar for your blog that you're going to want the template that I used and now I call this out in the very beginning of the post I'm like download this editorial calendar template like before you dig into the post here Um, I word it better than that (laughs) when I'm doing it. And then I jump into like the step-by-step process and I also include some calls to action within the post as well. And so this is how I'm getting like the 23% conversion rate on one blog post and running ads to it, like just small budget um, ads, which I'll talk about in a sec. Killer.
1: Yeah, for us, the most popular post that actually converts sales for us is our green flags to look for to know if you can make $100,000 a month. And the content upgrade is a diagnostic survey that is an abridged version of what i I do in Silver Circle that takes people like Ryan Levesque from $1 million to $10 million and <laughs> Ezra Firestone from hundreds of thousands to $65 million. So it's a good, solid diagnostic. I wonder if that would be called a utility template. But yeah. it's literally a checklist you go through and to know exactly where you're strong or weak. I want to ask you too because you weren't sure where we're up to but I was going to ask you what is a good open rate to tell if your email is responsive
0: oh yeah so I think the email I've just been doing this recently like the active audience I'm focusing on this a lot and so I've been looking at like around 20 to 30 percent sort of open rates but I think that can be I haven't actually filtered out all the people yet because I set up this automation that runs in the background that's going to filter out people who haven't been opening or clicking in the last 60 days once all those people get taken off they go into a re-engagement sequence I'm going to put a subject line like what the F are you Still doing here, and then it's going to be um, like click on this link, or I'm just going to unsubscribe you. And so, once I have that, I feel like the open rate is going to increase a lot above like the 20 30 percent. So, I'm sending to people who are in the active audience, the full audience right now. So, I feel like if that should get a lot higher, and I'll be able to give better feedback on that once I have all these people kind of filtered out.
1: <laughs> well, from our experience, I mean, I went from a list size of 35,000 to about 7,000 yep. over the years by scrubbing inactives, yep. and you will lose some people who are active and they're happy just to collect the. Emails but aren't engaging, but our open rates are often somewhere around 26%. I'm really happy with that. That's enough for me to make a few million dollars a year. So it's you know small list but super responsive. And I'm making a commitment to have much better content. I'm hearing messages from guys like Charlie Vailer and from you, Chris, saying you don't need as much content. You just need the right content. You need good content. And if we start using some of these frameworks, we're going to get there. So let's continue this journey. We've now got an active audience. We've done the three jab strategy we've done the welcome mat or some kind of a hello bar or whatever we have some contextual content upgrades we have an exit intent pop what else can we do
0: Yeah. So I know of some people who talk about software and I had this experience in Sumo is like you can do content marketing without doing content upgrades if your product ties in really closely to the topics you're talking about. And then people go and sign up for your software. And I know people who have built really big companies based on that strategy.
1: I think Hrefs falls into that category. Yeah,
0: they definitely fall into it. Yeah.
1: Almost all their content and, and Tim Solo was saying this on a very recent podcast episode that they just make educational content that teaches people how to get a great result and their software just has happens to be the tool they're using for that.
0: Yeah yeah and so for some companies though it's not that like cut and dry you can't just go and do that and a huge like we all we, we all know like in the marketing space like having an email is such a huge asset having an active audience, the bigger active audience is like the bigger asset you have and so that's why i kind of focus on these whole call it sort of utility content upgrade thing and using the three jabs but after this what i do is it's kind of i'll talk about two promotion methods i don't want to overwhelm people hmm. but the first one like one of the most effective like that i say that's better than seo and paid ads like by far is like what i call red packet partnerships and so I come from like living a lot in China and then I had a wedding last year and people come to your wedding, they give you like a red packet full of money for your wedding. And so what you don't realize though, is like in China, you're expected to give people back more than they gave you when they give <laughs> you the red packet at their wedding. And so that's, that's what this whole thing's around. And so I call this red packet partnerships and what you're doing is you, I know you talk with, uh, I think it was Rich Sheffron as well recently about this as well, how important partnerships are becoming. Um, and so what I do is like, I use this survey, right? And I ask for what the marketing training are you buying and what who are you letting into your inbox I have this data now of people that they subscribe to and they buy from and so I can go to this list of people I'll like study them a bit I want to do partnerships with these people now, right? I want to get my content, like my greatest hits content in front of their email list. And I'm not even so concerned about the social media share because I know that some people do have like very active sort of personal profiles or groups, but some people just don't. And so getting like that share on by the email list, like I think like you found with um, Jay Abraham, who's, who, yeah. who's emailed one of your posts, yeah? And Man,
1: like I've got to give it to you. You, you, <laughs> you really do listen to my content because you're talking about stuff that only someone who would listen to know and here you are on the super fast business podcast you've been invited to super fast business live you've been invited to speak at super fast business live you'll get immortalized in video content within my closest knit community in perpetuity and you'll be promoted via email like talk about a strategy that has a slingshot effect. I mean, (laughs) do you know how many pitches we get on a daily basis for people to be on Super Fast Business? I'm not flattering myself here, but I'm just saying if you have a podcast that's been around for more than a year or two, you're just getting inundated. Like everyone wants to come and soapbox on your show. And even though we've mentioned content mavericks probably 15 times so far on this episode, you've delivered so much value and great ideas that are even useful to me that it's the way to go. I mean, that's the thing that I think typifies you. You just lead with amazing levels of value. It's just solid gold, like everything's a hit. There's no fluff in there at all.
0: I appreciate it. I was like really stoked when I got the invite from you. So I've had like... I think this is like a sign if you're doing content marketing right you get people reaching out to you to come on to their podcast or something like that so I've had like in the last three or so months 20 podcast invites and I've never really wanted to do them but I've listened to your podcast so closely as soon as you sent me the email I was like just yes I want to do this and I was like super excited to come on Um, but this partnership strategy so there's a specific like way you need to outreach to people for this to work like I've seen people someone today sent me an email it was a pretty good outreach email actually because they said they've been studying my stuff they kind of referred to stuff that they'd seen like this case study that i've written about and how they followed it and then they're like they link me to their post they're like it'd be cool if you could share it on social media or your email list and it's like it's just not the right approach to take um that's like better than like most people actually mm. what this guy did pretty common yeah
1: the flattery one flattery with a sort of a mild attempt at showing you they know your stuff <laughs> and then they have a, an ask it's a pretty early ask
0: Yeah. And so this guy actually studied my stuff pretty well. And so it was like better than most emails I get. But the approach that I take is I'll first like study what one of these people are doing. And so I'll look over their site. Usually there's always sort of one main sort of thing on their site that they're trying to promote. And I know you talked about the 100K per month, like, can you make 100K per month at your bar, right? Yeah. Yeah. And because you said that's like the top sales generating piece of sort of content upgrade you have. And so if I was looking at your site, it's pretty obvious that that's like the main sort of thing that you're trying to direct people to when they come to your site. So I'm looking at that when I go to people's websites, like, what are they actually trying to get eyeballs on? And so I'll actually sometimes opt in for that. I won't always opt into it. I might just have a look over it and like some of the stuff they're doing. And I'll send like a short little thing just like this has to be genuine as well. Like you really have to enjoy this particular thing that they did or what they did. And I'll just like send a really short something like I really love this particular thing you were doing on your site, um, this blog post or podcast, kind of like how this guy reached out to me. I'll send this particular message, and I just do this as I'm coming across really cool people that I come across, and I just send the message, and I add them to a spreadsheet. Later on, I'm going to hit this person up again, but not right now. So I come across cool people all the time, cool content that they're creating. I send that really short message, like, I really love what you're doing, and it's genuine. But I can do it straight after. I might make a week, maybe a month, but I like to batch things so it's faster. And so I'll go through this spreadsheet now that I have a people I've reached out to, and I've hit them up, and I've said, like, I really enjoy your content. And now I'll send like a more advanced sort of pitch. The approach that I take the pitch from is that I'm offering to promote their piece of content in front of my email list. And then I'm just kind of mentioning like in, in one sentence, it's a pretty in-depth pitch, but I'm, I'm mentioning in one sentence, I also have something cool that your audience might like. I put like a thing afterwards that's like, but if you don't want to share stuff with your audience, like with your email list, that's cool as well. Like I really enjoy what you're doing and I'll just promote your stuff to my audience no matter what. And so I'm taking the approach that I'm gonna promote them, yeah. And know n- what happens if they say no? And I just feel like that because I tried so many different messages to try and get this approach right. I tried giving people five dollar Starbucks gift cards <laughs> and all this different stuff. But I just found this sort of approach and um, it's just a lot more genuine as well. And you just helping people, even if they don't want to do this sort of partnership, you can still go and promote them um, if they don't want to do it.
1: I love it too, man. Like I can't tell you how many episodes I've done where I've just brought someone into my audience. I do it because I want my audience to get great value. That's it. If they get great value, they'll keep listening and one day they might become a member of one of my programs. And uh, often, I mean, more often than not, I'm not getting any kind of affiliate cut or benefit from it other than just serving my audience. But over time, you do build goodwill. I mean, because you've mentioned this Rolodex of names from Justin Brooke, Taki Moore. Jay Abraham, Rich Sheffren. I've got these fantastic people, you know, that are just one connection away now by just building value for them and providing them something that they get a benefit from. I'm still getting messages from past guests saying they can't believe how many inquiries they've had or what the podcast has led to, yeah. which, you know, makes me feel good. And I've also just uh, as a note of interest and uh, to sort of inform the listener, I'm thinking of pulling back a lot on the interview style podcast and I'm going to do some more monologues in the future. So it's going to be a rarer and rarer thing that someone actually comes on the show. They have to be truly trusted and valued. But I've got to say, like right now i'm so excited about chris von wilpert and the content coming out of there that's why I, I needed to ask you to come along to share with my audience both on the podcast and to my live events, because it's just exactly what we do it's exactly what we need and it fits with my message of work less make more like get more traffic make more sales from way less content and you've got the system dialed yeah so where do we go from here
0: Yes. I often tell people like, no one even wants to read content or listen to content. What they're always listening for is like the one piece of insight or wisdom that they can get. And like, when I'm listening to your podcast episodes, it's not necessarily for the content. It's more for like, what's like this one piece of insight or wisdom I can take away from this interview. And so that's what I hope people get from this interview. And also at Superfast Business Live as well, even though I go over like this whole system, you can just take one part of this. Like I went over a few things like Red Packet Partnerships, Three Jab Strategy. If you just take one part and apply it in your business, it can work really well. And so this ties in later to the sales emails. But after this, I do this thing called the $5 hit record method. (laughs) And so this ties into like greatest hits, right? Um, And so-
1: I love your naming conventions. Where did you pick this up from, naming everything? It's something I'm really weak at and I could have been a lot more famous for certain things. I mean, a lot of people know me for own the race course, OTR, but I could have named a lot of other things if I was more clever.
0: Yeah, I think about this a lot, like about how I name things and because I've just kind of noticed that a lot of things, like Noah always told me like, everything's a copy of something else and so if you name something it's very hard for someone to copy that and like someone can go and talk about now how I run five dollar per day ads to high voting and pieces of content and then oh that's the five dollar hit record method and then because I've named it, I like I sort of own it now. And so it's like a very good way of like um yeah, people just remember you. Like I've seen different people do this in the marketing space. I'm not a lot of people do it, but um it's a very I feel like effective method and um Justin also regretted this a bit as well. Like um he didn't name some things and <laughs> he named things a bit like internet marketing sort of way. Yeah. You know, I not regret it that.
1: <laughs> there's some terrible names in the internet marketing space. But yeah. I know a few people who are good at naming things. I'd say Dean Jackson comes to mind. You know, He's super famous with his yeah. nine-word email and so forth. Taki is exceptionally good at naming things. And uh, I think this is a big lesson. It's a reminder for me as a publisher, someone who does put out a lot of content and is writing books, etc. Got to name and own our things. Yeah. So your $5 hit record... Technique. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what is
0: it? So um this is based on just spending five dollars a day per ad. And so what I'll do is I'll take the survey data, I'm going back to the survey data. Yeah. And like who's bought products and who on their email list? And I go through and um I'm doing this at the moment on you can do this on any ad network. It's not ad network specific, but I'm just gonna talk about this in relation to Facebook. Um, because me personally I write these posts on Facebook and Facebook's one of the only platforms where you have this ability to write pretty long in depth posts and give people like a lot of value you in the post itself before they actually get to the content and so
1: do you actually author it in facebook or do you put it into a tool somewhere and then paste it across just a, a technical question
0: yeah i've just been doing it my um i actually put it inside a google doc yep and then i have one of the people from ad skills from justin's group <laughs> who's actually employed on the content mavericks to actually go in and take my google doc with all the copy and the images they just kind of do the media buying part by actually placing the media by inside facebook gotcha Um, And so I put inside a Google Doc with like the headline, the description, a link to the Google Drive with the actual image, um, and they'll go and do that. Perfect. Yeah.
1: (laughs) So you're running a Facebook ad for $5 a day budget, is it?
0: Yep. I'm running five and I'm so I have one piece of content so let's take for example this editorial calendar i sitting so that says converting at 23% right and so I have I select five people of what my audience said like so I'll rank the people like let's say for example they said Justin Brooke he came up like seven different times he's like the top person so he's like the first person I'm going to put in that set number one <laughs> because everyone said oh yeah I bought Justin Brooke stuff so yeah I want to target people who target who are following Justin Brooke now um, and then I'll go through that and I'll go in order of like who are they actually buying products from and subscribing to and I'll kind of put at the top five and then I'll run an ad to this blog post of the followers of these people and so some of these are really big people in the um, marketing space, right? Because this often comes up a lot. Like a lot of people are following similar people in the in the space. Sometimes you can't always target the people's followers through Facebook. In that case, I might go to the next person or I just I can go to another ad network. I and mean, usually it's possible on Twitter to do that. But this is the process that I'll go through. And I'll do, I'm just spending like $5 per day. And what I'll do is I'll do some like math, obviously. And I want to figure out like, say, for example, I was selling like the Content Mavericks course for $1,000. And I work out like how many leads does it take me to get a sale? I'll do like some back of the napkin math and get an idea of like, what cost per lead can I afford? And I kind of figure that out for me. I want to be spending like around my CPA, like my cost per lead. I want it to be around $5 or less. And so what I'm doing is I have this one ad, right, going to this blog post with these five different ad sets, tagging these five different people. I do that for the other pieces of content. This is the greatest hits content system is built around five pieces of greatest hits content. So I'm doing this for five pieces of content with these five ad sets, or five campaigns, sorry, with the five ad sets tagging the same people. Something that I don't do that I think also Someone on your podcast in the past, Molly Pittman, I think it was, she mentioned that it's all about building up social proof on your ads. It's not about like testing now. Like the social media algorithms have become a lot smarter. And so I'm not actually doing any testing, which is kind of a bit backwards. I'm just putting in like I'm copying the post ID and using the same post ID across each of the ads and building up all this social proof on the posts. And I'm going to look at the blend. So this is something that Justin talks about. You need to like look at the blended CPA, not just the cost per lead off one particular ad. You want to look at across your whole entire campaign. So I'm looking across all five campaigns. Is that $5 cost per lead? Is that below the $5 cost per lead target that I have? It'll be different for everyone. So I'm looking at that number. If that's right, then I just want to keep running the ad. And then if I want, if I want to be like a bit more nitpicky, and I'm like on a really tight budget, then I might actually pause some ads that are like maybe seven dollars or getting up even higher above ten dollars, and then I'll just I can bring in another piece of content. So I'm always trying to beat what. I'm not trying to beat my competition I'm trying to beat myself I'm trying to beat my top converting posts and so I can bring in another piece of content and try and beat it to like now that becomes like one of my five greatest hits so like obviously like people have greatest hits like Bieber has like the um what baby and so he's probably always trying to beat that that's probably like his best ever and so I'm always trying to beat my own so
1: (laughs) it's great I think competing with yourself is a wonderful technique I actually track my surfboards in a spreadsheet in a google sheet and I track the longest ride the fastest speed for each board and I'm always trying to beat it and benchmark it and I actually rate them I have a colour coded system like from red down to white for like the hottest to the least hot and if it hits red and it's like the fastest with the longest rides it's a keeper and they're always having the battle of the boards trying to stay in my favour and I also used to do that with business models that's how I ended up with the business models I have now and I sold some of the service businesses I built because they were competing for my attention and some are better than others so I love your technique it makes so much sense it sounds a lot like the dollar cost averaging strategy for investment where you're blending your campaigns and using the same pixel or i don't know the technical name but where you keep those followers and likes and so forth so man just powerful stuff what sort of advice would you have for someone who's listening to this and their brain just exploded on the wall
0: So in Content Mavericks, I teach a process that some people are starting out. They've only got $5 a day to spend. And so I have a strategy for just spending $5 a day. And then I have one just spending a $100 a day or more. And then I have one if you can spend 10000 a month or more. So I found this out when I first created a course around topic-based modules. And what I had was like content creation, content distribution, case studies, like what a normal course is. And I figured this out and like Justin actually recommended this to me. So the idea came from Justin. I mean, he'll say it came from somewhere else. Like everything's a copy of something else like Noah tells me. And so, he said, oh, sorry, I just lost my track of thought then. Catering for different budgets. Yeah, for different budgets. That's right, for different budgets. So I did the whole course based on people's budget because I know that people are going to be at different levels. What I'm talking about now, this greatest hits content system, it's like perfect for someone who's got like, if you can spend $100 a day on like your ads, this is sort of like if you have a $100 marketing budget, sorry, this is kind of like perfect for that sort of person. And if you don't, you can still do what I'm talking about. But you want to focus at the very start on just like one piece of content. Like I'm telling people, if you're just starting, you need to start with one, like what I did when I did that post with Noah and also with that That HubSpot post that really went off. I really just focused on on that one and really optimizing the one and promoting it as much as I could. And that's how I kind of built my first sort of 1,000 email list subscribers just from sort of one post. And just focus on that. Don't try and get caught up in this whole sort of process of oh, I need to do two posts a week or three posts a week. Like, don't get caught up in that at the start.
1: That's it, man. That's our takeaway too. You know, like we do two podcasts a week. We have ample opportunities. You know, we have all these pages when we did an SEO audit. We found there's a lot of dead pages that aren't really getting the traffic and we have to find the winners in there. So the big takeaway really is if you've published anything already, go and find out what the number one performing piece of content is and just put more effort into that before you worry about producing a whole lot more stuff. That's what I'm hearing.
0: Yeah. Even just like the three jab strategy, I'll do this sometimes with people I coach.
1: I going to say three jabs. It's already in my mind. Yeah. <laughs> three jabs.
0: <laughs> you, you just put that on the top 50 if you've been doing content marketing a long time like five or six years or even just a few years go and look at your data like based off data do this on your top posts you'll like see the your list and your audience size increase like instantly like in a few days
1: thank you that's amazing yeah chris wow you certainly delivered beyond my expectations and I had some big expectations for this particular call and I just want to say thank you for coming and sharing so generously. I think it's obvious now that you could be found at contentmavericks.com. Would that be uh, the right place to look?
0: Yeah, I think I might have learned this from Noah. He was like, when you're doing podcasts, you always have to mention like, you keep mentioning the name over and over again. And it's <laughs> something I think I got up It's like he was doing a lot of things to try and build his podcast and I like just observed a lot from Noah. Um, it wasn't like working with Noah, I kind of learned that he was like he moved really fast on everything and he wasn't so much like Noah coaching me to do stuff it was more like he wants to work with people who really get results and do it like fast and so it wasn't him like but I was able to observe a lot of stuff that Noah did and I think this is one thing I might have picked up from him like always mentioning it but um I want to like make this your most popular podcast episode ever because I'm all about winning so I'd really love like when I was at AppSumo and I had this goal of going from a hundred thousand visitors to two hundred thousand in one month I recorded this video inside the AppSumo office I was sitting in the AppSumo it was like seven o'clock in the morning and I was recording over the shoulder what I was doing to promote this post and so I want people to actually share this podcast episode with their email subscribers and send me a screenshot of them doing it. And if they do it, I want to send them this video that I don't even I don't share with anyone. But um, I just want them to share this episode. I want it to get out to more people. And if they do, then hit me up and show me the screenshot of you doing it. And I'll send you this video.
1: That sounds super cool. How do they find you?
0: If you go to Facebook, just look up my full name, Chris Von Wilpert. And um, you can just hit me up on a private message if you've done it. <laughs>
1: you, sir, are a legend. This has been just amazing. <laughs> I love it. what a fantastic outcome you know i wanted to catch that fish that got away and get you back on and give you that chance to you know maybe i'll find myself in a future story on your facebook series in a favorable position <laughs> at some point but You know, it's so good to see the journey you went on and, and I know a lot of the characters you've been involved with and I just love celebrating success and certainly you've given our team some things to think about. We will consider this a most educational podcast for our super fast business content team. I've been actively looking up your stuff, researching it, following it and sharing it uh, with my team as some of your other students like Dan Wartrope, who's just like a ferocious learner and implementer. I predict he'll be one of your most successful students. He's coming in an upcoming podcast as well because this guy implements and I just see the results you're getting. So well done.
0: Yeah, it's crazy how, how fast Dan's implementing on stuff. That's like one difference between people who come in and get results on stuff. It doesn't matter whether it's coaching or coming into a course. Like most people aren't taking the action. and Yeah, Dan's one of those guys that just does it.
1: <laughs> this guy, he will implement before you even finish your sentence. And, and I love that. He comes from a sports background. He is so switched on. I love that he's revolutionizing the agency space as well. And yeah. you know, so we'll talk about that in a future episode. So this is episode 725. There will be a full transcription, you'll definitely want to read through this because there's a lot of catchy names like three jab strategies and uh, you've got your results proof teaser formulas frameworks and I love it the ask the buy the trust those sort of things are just fantastic techniques and we're going to go and have a look at how we can contextually put our content upgrades in our posts better and I think it's time to also review which of our posts are the top five and get onto that promotion strategy with our Facebook advertising superstar Lenny so thank you so much I'll I'll see you at our super fast business live event and it's just been wonderful to catch up again after four years of being out in the wilderness
0: yeah thanks so much for having me James and thanks so much for invite Thanks
1: Chris Discover how to build your business super fast Check out superfastbusiness.com
0: Thanks